The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome to the 120th episode of the Main Street Vegan Program. You know, when the lovely people at Unity Online Radio came to me back in the spring of 2012 about doing this show, they said, now the only thing is, do you think you'll be able to find enough vegans to be your guests on a weekly show? Well, I've not only found enough, but absolutely fascinating and wonderful, wonderful guests, and they just keep on coming. Today, we're going to be looking at what a plant-fueled body can do. After the first break, I'll be speaking with Matt Frazier, the no-meat athlete. And in the final segment, I'll be joined by Brendan Brazier, former, former professional <laughs> Iron Man and author of Thrive. But right now, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce you to Joel Brody. Joel Brody is an actor and singer who's performed alongside Jamie Foxx, Bono, and Jason Bateman, and who's had over 60 tenor roles with the Metropolitan and nine other opera companies. He has also been a raw vegan since 1971, and he was on the cover of the October issue of The Atlantic, highlighting the new science of old age. He was chosen, Mr. Brody says, because the white beard says advanced age, but the flat abs say teenage. Welcome, Joel Brody. Thank you. It's been a great honor to be on your 120th broadcast. And uh, I think there's a beautiful connection between uh, raw vegan diet and, I don't even like to say diet, I would say lifestyle, and uh, raw vegan lifestyle and unity because I have in front of me the um, issue of the Daily Word in Spanish. I hope it's the same in English, but the word for today is crecimiento, which is growth. And the first sentence is, Cresco hacia la luz. I grow toward light. And that's what plants do. That's what plants do, and uh, let's do it too. I mean, it works. I know it works because I've been doing it for 45 years. And uh, I'm very happy with it. And uh, it's not... uh, so easy to do always because uh, other people have other ideas about what to eat, but I'll let them follow me. I'm not going to uh, follow what they're doing just because they're doing uh, whatever they're doing. I know that this is good, and I know it works for me, and uh, I also uh, want to avoid uh, medical solutions and drugs and all that stuff, so I never do that, but I do um, 
learn as much as possible about healing. And we do have healing, thank God. <laughs> Let's heal, you know. So uh, it's just the simplicity of it that I like so much. Well, that, that is a beautiful connection. Now, I saw you early in the fall at Karen Ramsey's birthday party. I think the listeners know Karen from her book, Creating Healthy Children. But at yeah, that time, that you edited it? Well, see, everything yes. comes together. And yeah. you said then that you'd be on the Atlantic cover doing, and I remember exactly what you said, something no one does after age 25. What was it? afraid to do it. Well, they, I, I, it was a brilliant idea for this cover to come about the way it did. They were looking for uh, an actor, and uh, I, I got cast in it um, because the white beard, as you said, uh, immediately reads as age, advanced age, and then uh, I'm in shape. I'm in shape because I don't do the things that rob the bones. I don't do the things that make us uh, debilitated. I don't fall for any... Uh, uh, there are so many things that my neighbors do that I won't do because, uh, you know, they'll go around with a cane. That makes them weaker. We have to use our own muscles for everything, even seeing. Uh, I threw away my glasses after wearing them for 40 years because I learned uh, that uh, the eyes need to to do their work. They have muscles and they have to work. It would be as if I would go to a gym and uh, there would be a machine to lift the weights. I wouldn't benefit from that. So I want to um, be independent and free and strong. And uh, I just did hundreds of push-ups. In fact, I did 360. I enjoy that. And uh, if I were to eat, um, well, the standard uh, food, I, uh, I couldn't do that. I don't think. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I haven't done it for 45 years. What would I know? How do I know? Maybe so what did you... What... What athletic feat did you perform on this cover? Oh, well, I, I did a skateboarding cover, and it's rather, <laughs> um, it's rather uh, fun. I mean, it's explosive. I mean, there's another photo of me on page uh, 63 uh, to illustrate the article on anti-aging, and um, that one is not as explosive. It's a little calmer, more, more relaxed, and, but in that you could see the flat tummy. Yes, and, and that's um, so important because um, if a man has belly fat, it um, robs him of his masculinity. It, it 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 produces estrogen, and it becomes an estrogen factory. So we don't need that. It, it's it's problematic for health. So I learn about all these things. I'm very grateful for so many teachers, and I'm um, I'm certainly grateful for Ann Wigmore. And uh, what she said to me, uh, 1971, uh, was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I didn't ask her this question. A friend of mine asked this question. A wonderful uh, uh, opera singer named Myrna Bismarck asked this question. And she said, well, what is this thing about raw food? Why don't you have a stove uh, in the kitchen? I always threw that out years ago. But um, why raw food? And Anne Wingrow looked at her in the eye and said, there's God in your food. You wouldn't want to kill God, would you? <gasps> and I mean, how could you not remember that? I mean, <laughs> it's powerful. So we don't want to destroy the food. And another uh, point that I would like to make, uh, which I see all over the place, and uh, I've been asking Karen uh, not to write it anymore. Instead of saying vegan, they say plant-based. And that's not the same. Because if it's based on it, it could have other stuff, too. And uh, it's not as strong. And maybe it'll be more acceptable to more people, but it it isn't as powerful as just saying vegan. We're just not going to uh, rob the animals of their lives or their all the stuff that animals produce for their young. And uh, I I think uh, I love the vegan statement that I heard uh, from, oh, he was a lecturer at the University of Atlanta, and he said, we need cow milk just as much as we need giraffe milk and hippopotamus milk and dog milk. (laughs) Yes, we need all that terribly. I completely agree with you. I, I love the V word. If you would like to ask a question of Joel Brody, give us a call, 816-347-5519. 
You'll also win a year's subscription to American Vegan Magazine. Again, that's 816-347-5519. Now, Joel, I know you're a linguist and a scholar and all sorts of things, and I'm going to apologize in advance for asking you a very prosaic question, but I'll bet everybody wants to know, what do you eat well, I, I eat uh, whatever grows in a garden, and uh, sometimes the garden isn't so near my house. Sometimes it's not my garden, but uh, I, I aim to get the freshest. And uh, that's another reason why I, I, I have issues with the term plant-based, because uh, I think it's a term that's bandied about by food processors, because it's good. I mean, it's better than animal-based, so let's have it plant-based. That's great. But to me, the most important thing in food is the, the most prevalent ingredient in the food. And what is that? And uh, I ask many people this question, and they can't answer it. And, you know, they'll say, oh, uh, protein, uh, fat, uh, vitamins. Uh, but the most prevalent is water. Can we have a drum roll? Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's water. It's water. Yes. We must have that water that is magnificently filtered in nature by the roots and the twigs and uh, the plants know what to do and they grow toward the light they know what to do so let's do it too we have to um, be understanding of them and and they contain at least 70 percent water and sometimes 90 percent water depends on the plant if it's a watermelon it'll have more water but uh, uh, that's what i want and that's the kind of thing that really keeps you healthy and um when i see fresh plant-based food i know that that's a contradiction it, it absolutely is, is, is oxymoron how can it be fresh and based on a plant it's going to be the plant itself so <laughs> let's let's do that. I mean, to me, that's the number one rule. If there are rules for health in nature, I feel that there are. So uh, we can learn them. And uh, all the other stuff. Sometimes uh, there are some ingredients in plants that can be isolated. Maybe they're in supplements. Maybe there are vegan supplements. That's wonderful, too. And... Um, Maybe they're not so much in foods as they used to be, so people can get them in another form. But largely, if we can have fresh foods and that are from a garden as, as fresh as possible, no matter where they come from, then uh, let's do that. That's what I do. So do you eat superfoods? Do you eat expensive things that come from the Himalayas and all over the place? Well, I've tried them, and uh, I, I tend not to buy packaged foods of any kind because then uh, they're not fresh. And uh, the Himalayas are very far away, and we have uh, wonderful foods grown locally, too, and uh, maybe uh, in Vermont or maybe in California or, or in Texas or Florida or Missouri. It's all over. Plants grow all over. They and do. The strongest plants grow all over. I, I don't think it's necessary to eat food from the Himalayas, but if I were there, I would. <laughs> I would yes, definitely. yes. In our last minute, Joel, any advice for people in the over 60 demographic who maybe didn't get to meet Dr. Ann 45 years ago? Yes, I would definitely say that this is not done in a day. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to do 100% raw foods or raw vegan foods in a day. I think it should be uh, a process in which you can take two or three steps forward and maybe one step back or half step back or a baby step back, and then you go forward again. It, it's, uh, it's not so easy uh, to begin with. And there will be a detoxification process that you should be aware of. But generally, you'll feel lighter. You'll never have constipation. You'll always be uh, completely energetic because you're not going to block the energy. And uh, let's do that, I, I think, uh, to start with. But little by little, you know, it just uh, is a learning process, and the process should be continual, ongoing, and there's a lot of reading that could be done. You have to find uh, 
your own um, teachers for this. I love Tanya Zavasta of uh, BeautifulOnRaw.com. She's one of my favorites. I've edited books of hers. They're marvelous. I especially recommend uh, Quantum Eating. That is a spectacular book. And uh, then, you know, I've gone to Brian Clemens' lectures. I, I like uh, Dr. Adiel Tel Oren uh, from, uh, what is his website? Um, Oh, Ecopolitan.com. Yeah, Ecopolitan, Ecopolitan.com. Yes, he's in Minneapolis, but he is very wonderful. He has a, um, uh, orphanage and school in Kathmandu, and he saves the children from yeah. being treated horribly. And I mean, Aww. he's just a marvelous person. He so is, as I, are you. I, All these people are great, but only you are skateboarding. If you want to know more about Joel Brody, his well, actor they, website. They do exercise. You know, they, they have to do some exercise, too. I mean, it's not just the eating. You have to breathe a lot. The exercise gets you to breathe a lot. And I, I think I'm so happy to be on with your other guests because they're champions, too. They are They are. They're amazing. Athletes. And we need to go to break, and you need to go to an audition. So check out yes, Joel no, Brody. <laughs> dot com watch uh, some of his wonderful clips thank you so much for spending some time thank with you. us that today really i'll see you Thanks at the farmer's lot. market wonderful thank and you everybody much. else stay with us we'll be back with matt frazier the no meat athlete yes god bless us all <laughs> to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words when you sing. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. The call-in number again is 816-347-5519. I am your host here on the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm Victoria, and I am a vegan lifestyle coach, a holistic health counselor, 
author of Main Street Vegan. And if you want to know more about what's going on over there, just check out MainStreetVegan.net. This very week, the blog post is by me, and it's called Holidays, Happiness, and Being Vegan. And you can also subscribe there to the Main Street Vegan, that uh, Main Street Minute, I'm sorry, that's a weekly mini-mailing with all kinds of news and tips and things. But at this moment, I would like to turn your attention to another blog and website and book and podcast, and that is No Meat athlete. And this is Matt Frazier. He is a vegan ultra marathoner, founder of No Meat Athlete, and his book, blog, and podcast are there to help active people thrive on plant-exclusive diets. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to hear you. Now, you've sent me some questions, but before we get to those, I just need to be clear for all of us who are not as ultra as you, what exactly is an ultra marathoner? So technically an ultra marathon is anything that is longer than a marathon, uh, which a marathon, of course, is 26.2 miles. So the, the most common ultra distance that people count as an ultra is, is 31 miles or 50K. Uh, okay. But they, they go up to, you know, 50 and 100 miles. That's, that's the furthest I've gone. But some of them go to 135 and beyond. So it's kind of becomes an extreme sport at those really high levels. But at, at the level that I do it is, it, I, I know a lot of people are shocked, like surprised to hear this, but it, I always say it's not really, it's not like an elite fitness activity. It's just, it's something you train yourself to do and you, you kind of build mental toughness. But I think a lot of people would be surprised uh, at what they'd be able to accomplish as ultra marathoners if like, if that was their goal and that's what they decided to do. Wow. That, that is inspiring. So tell us your story. Well, my story is that I, I hated running as a kid, uh, was raised on, you know, a, a typical standard American diet and, uh, like really disliked running. I quit sports teams because of it. And, uh, in college I became interested in fitness for the first time in my life and just started going to the gym. And then some roommates and I being kind of like competitive college guys, even though none of us were runners said, okay, we're going to like just jump into this sport and run a marathon. So we did that. It didn't go too terribly well, but we did all get it done, which I'm still amazed that we managed to do that. But, uh, I, I kind of became obsessed with the goal of qualifying for the Boston Marathon after that, which, you know, is not, is not, uh, an elite runner accomplishment, but it's, it's hard to do. I mean, it's like an average runner will have to train a long time to get to Boston and may not ever get there. So for me, it took a 310 marathon, three hours and 10 minutes. And that first one, to give you an idea, took me four hours and 53 minutes. So over 100 minutes too slow. Uh, but I, I got obsessed with this goal and I just couldn't give up on it. So I, I just, Went to work training, slowly got faster over the years. Finally, about six years into this journey, uh, came upon a vegetarian diet. I didn't even know what vegan was back then, uh, but just vegetarian and thought, you know, I, I kind of want to do this for, for ethical reasons, so I'm just going to give it a try because at that point, I really kind of stalled in my progress towards Boston. And I thought, you know, I don't think this, I think giving up the protein and giving up the calories, which is what, you know, I and a lot of people associate with, with associated, I should say, with a plant-based diet. I thought if I do this, it's probably the end of my Boston thing, probably the end of the road here. Like I'm just not going to make it. But at that point, I had kind of plateaued and I said, okay, I just don't have anything to lose. I'm going to do it. And shockingly to me, within six months of going vegetarian, not even vegan yet, uh, I took the final 10 minutes off my marathon, ran that 309.59 and got myself in. Whoa. So Yeah. So I was really, I mean, like I said, it was an ethical thing, but such a pleasant surprise for me was the performance boost. It was just, and I think what it was is that all my athletic life, I had been focusing on carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And, you know, I would make sure I hit those exact numbers that I was supposed to get according to these nutrition guides, but I was totally ignoring fresh vegetables. You know, I just, it was like, you could, you can still get protein, carbs, and fat in the amounts you need without ever eating a vegetable. And that's essentially what I was doing. So I think when I started focusing on whole foods and uh, gradually over time, eliminated the dairy products and eggs and things as well to go vegan, I think my body just started recovering like it's supposed to, and, and things just started to work out. So then I got into ultra marathons and all the other stuff after it. Well, wow, that's exciting. And when did the veganism come in? Veganism for me came about two years after I qualified for Boston. So I think it was 2011. Uh, my blog had been running then for two years as well, and, and I, it was a vegetarian blog. That's why it's called No Meat Athlete. Uh, but, but then I decided to go to another level and took it to vegan and, and it really has been fantastic. It has, I mean, if anything, it has made me a better runner. I, I really do think that. 
That's so cool. You know, when you told me how you qualified for Boston and kind of just got in under the wire, my next book coming out in May is called The Good Karma Diet. (laughs) And Uh I see that on two levels. I mean, certainly on the one level, it's because we're eating this really good food. And obviously, the result of that is going to be that we're healthier and, and can achieve more things in life. But I just feel like there is some kind of little mystical thing. I mean, you stepped out for those animals and then your dream came true and more besides. You know what? I, for the longest time, I, I hated to believe that sort of thing. Like I just, I'm, I'm sort of a, I don't know. I think of myself as sort of scientific, like my, my background. And actually when I, when I was started my blog, I was in grad school studying applied math and I just like don't want to believe that stuff. But more and more, I just, I kind of do believe that there's some sort of karma somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, but you might be right about that. Well, I, I think, not that I understand it, but what they say is that quantum physics is now proving yoga. So sure. yep. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe yeah, you I've can heard, figure that out. There are a lot of parallels, I think, between, between what has been considered you know, new age or mystical thinking and, and quantum physics. Uh, and it's really interesting that, that there are a lot of parallels there. It is. Well, one of the things that I think people who who are interested in self-improvement and and these sorts of inner goals have in common with athletes is this idea of goal setting and achieving what you go out for. Now, a lot of people say, just set a little goal and achieve that and then do the next thing. But your philosophy is to set great, big, unreasonable goals. How does that work? Yeah, so the, the way that that works for me, and uh, I've read a few others who do think the same way, but I really do believe you need to have a goal that is is just so motivating for you. Like, so if I go back to my this Boston Marathon example, that first marathon went badly enough that, and it took me four hours and fifty three minutes. That had my goal after that been, I just want to run another marathon, and like you know, actually do one and feel good about my time, maybe break four hours, just do another marathon. I think I would have quit because. It, as it turned out, I had no idea this was going to happen, but it took me four years after that first marathon to even get to the start line of another marathon because I discovered that I had all these shin problems and I just wasn't really built to be a runner. Like once a physical therapist who I went to see because of these shin issues said like, Matt, pick a different sport. You're just not meant to be a runner. This isn't for you. Your legs are kind of bow shaped and you're going to get hurt if you keep trying this. So I, you know, looking back at it, had my goal been, been like run another marathon and just do okay. I'm sure that I would have quit at that point because I would have said, you know, this is too hard. It's not worth it. And the point is, like, those obstacles are going to come up no matter what the goal is that you're trying to do. If it's worthwhile, no matter how big it is, if it's worthwhile, there are going to be obstacles that come up. Otherwise, you would just go get it. You'd have it right now. And I think that what what gets you through those obstacles, like, that's, that gets you to push past them is having a goal that is just so exciting to you where, like, you can't go to sleep at night because you're just so excited to get up the next day and start working on it again. I really feel like there's so much power in that. Some people will call that law of attraction type of stuff like we were just talking about where there's this unexplained stuff going on. But, you know, I really think it just comes down to like when you get that focused on something and you you really convince yourself that you are going to do this and there's no other option and like you are the type of person who does this thing. I think that is when a lot of magic just happens. You're you know, in ways that we don't really understand. I think your brain kind of changes, you know, what its priorities are and what you notice. And I think that's that's how goals are, are achieved. And I think they've got to be big for that to happen. Wow. You've explained another runner to me. I had Fiona Oaks on the show a couple uh-huh. of months ago, and she said she has a, an artificial knee from from a childhood injury. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, let's see. I have an artificial knee. I think <laughs> I'm going to be a marathoner. But I guess like you're saying, the mind can, I don't know, over overreach the body. That's yeah, I pretty. Think, I think it can, and I think again, the key there, I think, is is making that goal like far enough out that it that it really is exciting, and it's just like you just can't stop thinking about it. If you don't have that, then then there's not really much power there, and I think you're going to give up. Whoa! So if somebody wants to get started with running or with a plant based diet, what do you tell them to do? Well, it's funny. As much as I think you should have these huge out there goals, like, like for me, it was qualify for Boston or run a hundred miler after that. I think the the time that you give yourself to get there should be pretty big because it's, it's pretty well understood now that, that we underestimate what we can achieve in, or sorry, we overestimate what we can achieve in a year, but dramatically underestimate what we can achieve in a decade. Whoa. So, so the, the, you know, upshot of this is take your time in getting started. Like when you have a, a goal that's so out there that it's like, 
you know, that can become overwhelming if you just think, okay, I need to like start making serious progress. But understand that this is a long term game. And like you might be working at this thing for five or seven years. And if it's that big and that important to you, then that shouldn't be a problem. Like that's, that's part of the deal that it takes a long time. So, uh, you know, along with that way of thinking, I think starting with the smallest steps possible is a really good thing. So if, if you wanted to get into like my way, the, the way that I got into a plant based diet, and I'll get to running in just a minute, uh, was that I, I actually, didn't just go all the way vegetarian for for a year prior to this time when I actually decided I was going to become vegetarian when I was still scared about the protein thing I said okay I'm just going to stop eating cows and pigs like four-legged animals I'm going to get rid of and then when I said okay I'm ready to get more serious about this then I said I'm going to get rid of the two-legged animals now stop eating poultry stop eating or I still was eating fish but stop eating birds basically and then finally after I was done that and comfortable there after a month or something there I said okay no more fish now and same thing happened with vegan, like very, very gradual in very small steps. I know that not everyone agrees with that. There are some people who who are motivated by that really big, dramatic, instant change. But what I would say is if you think you're that type of person, because I think more people think they are that type of person than actually are, <laughs> give it a try. Like dive in. I'm not going to say don't do it if you're motivated to do that. But think of that as plan A. And then if it fails or when it fails, don't say, okay, I gave up. Like that, that, wasn't, that didn't work. I'm not going to be vegan now. Uh, say, okay, like now it's time to do plan B and now I'm going to try the smaller steps thing. So I think the smallest steps possible is really good. Uh, running is exactly the same way. If, if you like, if for you running gets painful after two minutes, then start with a two minute run and make that your successful win for the day. I went outside, got two minutes of running done and then do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day and make it, make the steps, like make it so small that you can't possibly procrastinate or can't possibly dread this amount of time because it's so small. And the thing here, like kind of like what I said, that the goals, you know, big goals take a long time to achieve. You're not going to notice any physical results. Like let's say you're running to lose weight. You're not going to notice any weight loss in, by running two minutes a day for even two months. You'll notice nothing. But if after those two minutes a day, say, let's say, say you do that for one week, then the next week you try four minutes a day. And then by the end of a month or two months, you're now running 10 or 15 or 20 minutes a day. You You maybe haven't seen these physical changes yet, but you've started to change your mindset and you've started to create this really strong habit loop in your brain so you've been strengthening your mind this whole time and getting yourself used to running and then it's like this new skill you have this new thing and you haven't really drained any of your willpower yet so i think small steps are really the key another huge one for running is just slow down like we we all have this idea and this is why i always hated running i think it comes from gym class that we we think running has to be fast like if you're not running fast and if you if you finish your workout and you still have energy left and you're not panting and huffing and puffing and just dying then you didn't try hard enough like that's that was the mentality and in gym class you got made fun of and somebody blew a whistle at you if you were really slow so like it's no wonder we all hate it so just slow down like no one runs a marathon by training at their top speed for the entire six months of the training for that marathon i mean you you have to train at a really slow speed two to three minutes sometimes slower than you could run a given distance on a day is what your training pace is so if you think you hate running, like realize that running isn't just running fast. There's a whole other side of it that that happens, and you're just like you're physiologically in a different state when you're running slow. It's fun and enjoyable, and you're creative versus when you're in that running fast mode when it just feels terrible and all you can think about is is stopping. So mm-hmm. those are my big tips: take small steps and just go really, really slow. That is really fascinating. I've been reading a lot lately about Ayurveda, and one of their big tenets is exercise below your ability. You know, yep. just just don't go all out unless you're, you know, being chased by a crazy person. And then you'll have all these reserves and you'll have all this to work with, which makes so much sense. So, Matt, your your website is nomeatathlete.com. You have the book, No Meat Athlete, the blog, and then the podcast, No Meat Athlete. Is that just for runners or, or can lay people get something out of that, too? <laughs> Well, what we talk about when we do talk about sports, um, or when I write about sports, it's mostly about running because that's just what I do, and I don't, you know, I don't pretend to understand what it's like to be a triathlete or to be a bodybuilder. Uh, but I think I think you can put it into any other context. Um, and another thing is like, you know, we it's called no meat athlete mostly because that rhymes. But like, you don't have to be an athlete; you can be someone who goes to the gym twice a week or wants to start going to the gym twice a week. And you know, there, we talk a lot about goals and and nutrition and all i mean stuff recipes stuff that anyone can really use it's not it's not by any means for serious athletes it's it's for people who who want to who are striving to become more active uh maybe more kind of goal oriented or just kind of better versions of themselves that's what i like to 
think about it. That's what the tagline of my book says, become your fittest, fastest, happiest self. Because I really think that with this diet, with this whole lifestyle, you can become that happiest version of yourself. I love that. Fittest, happiest, and I blanked fittest, on the fastest, middle. Fittest, fastest, and happiest. Fittest, fastest, and happiest. Amen yep. to that. Really quickly, no meat athlete running groups. How do we get involved with that? Sure. So we, we've started this, I guess it was about three months ago, started 75 or 80 running groups. At first it was 75, it has grown to 80 uh, around the country and the world. They're in just about every single big city in the U.S. and probably 10 other international cities. So if you go to nomeatathlete.com, at the top of the plot, at the page there, there's a, there's a navigation bar and it says running groups. Click on that, you'll see a listing of all the different groups. Or if you just are on Facebook, you can look up No Meat Athlete San Francisco or whatever your city is. And you'll probably find a group of people there who are, who are meeting once a week to run and then go share a meal. People who are, you know, sharing this lifestyle together. So uh, oh, it's all about connections. So, yeah. So, so look it up. Thanks so much, Matt. Matt Frazier, No Meat Athlete. May you continue being fit and fast and happy. And <laughs> everybody go. else stay with us because we are going to bring on another incredible athlete, Brendan Brazier. We'll be right back. Life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths Live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give daily word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time tested method to live with purpose, and release your infinite potential. Tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. And oh my gosh, I know you've been waiting. On the line right now is Brendan Brazier. He's an international best-selling author of Thrive and his new Thrive Energy cookbook, he is the head of nutrition for the Garmin Sharp Pro Cycling Team. He's a nutrition consultant to several NHL, NFL, and UFC and Olympic athletes. He's a former pro Ironman, two-time Canadian ultramarathon champion, and the creator of Vega, the award-winning line of whole foods and nutritional products and the yummy chocolate and vanilla and chai flavored goodies I put in my smoothie every day I make a smoothie. Welcome, Brendan Brazier. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you. So what are you working on? What's uh, exciting in your life right now? Well, um, a a few things. One, um, Thrive Magazine 
Um, I started a magazine earlier this year with um, with Miranda, who's a publisher of Origin magazine. Some of your listeners may be familiar with Origin. It's in um, in Whole Foods. Um, so Miranda and I got together, and um, she publishes my magazine, this called Drive. And really, it's me talking with people who are really good at something. So it's about performance. It's about um, improvement. So I talk with people who are uh, really um, proficient at, at something. And it could be fitness. It could be sports. It could be nutrition. Um, it's a lot of those things, but also entrepreneurship and green tech and um, just other things that I think are interesting. A lot of environmental um, overtones in there as well. And it's um, it's out now. There's well, issue three comes out in about a, about two weeks. Um, but it's a quarterly magazine, so you can get it at Whole Foods or or the website, uh, which is mythrivemag.com. Um, so that's kind of the, the big new thing that I'm working on. That is so cool. Well, you're always working on something big and new. Maybe that's the athlete temperament. For anybody who has just not been paying attention or somebody brand new to the world of, of health and eating plants, can you give us just a little bit of your background and history? Sure, yeah. I started off, um, I've been vegan now for um, 20, 24 years. Um, since I was 15, and I became vegan to try and be a better athlete. I was running track in high school, and I just wanted to be a great athlete. I wanted to be professional and do Ironman triathlon full-time, and I I found that if I could recover more quickly, of course, I could train more in less time, which would mean that I would improve faster. So I started paying really close attention to my diet, and I my agenda was never to become vegan. I didn't try to become vegan. I just tried to find a good high-performance uh, meal plan that would allow me to you know, be a, be a good athlete, be a better athlete. And I eventually found that a, a properly put-together plant-based one allowed me to train more and therefore improve um, at a quicker pace than a lot of other people. It reduced inflammation um, and it uh, increased my range of motion, which increased efficiency. So there are a lot of benefits I found to it once I got it right. So that's what got me into this. Um, and like I say, I never set out to be vegan, Um and I actually don't even think about it much at all. I just think about trying to be good, a good athlete. Um, and then that, the way to do it, I found, was, like I say, plant-based. Well, it's interesting that as in your quest to be a better athlete, you found a, a vegan diet, and yet so many people, whether they're trying to be athletes or they're just going to the gym and getting their two free personal training sessions, are told, run, run, run from anything that's a carb and do something entirely different. How, how do you think you got this uh, great information when you were so young? Well, I actually didn't at first. It was just a lot of experimentation. And I tried a lot of different ways of eating first before I tried vegan. I did try the, the low-carb, uh, you know, the zone diet. I did try that. I did try a, a lot. Um, and some were better than others, but then I tried completely plant-based, and at first it didn't work well. I was hungry a lot of the time. I was tired, didn't recover well, and my high school track coach asked me what I was doing, and I told him I was trying this vegan diet, and he was a very good coach, but because of that, he was somewhat closed-minded. He had had a lot of success, so he wasn't really interested in looking at new ways of doing things, and he just kind of brushed it off, but I figured if this top-level coach didn't appreciate good nutrition, probably a lot of other good coaches don't either, so athletes are just not getting exposed to it. So I just did a lot of trial and error. Um, I kept a training journal, a nutrition journal as well, and just saw a correlation that when I ate more plants and fewer animal products, um, I felt better, I performed better, I slept better, so I was better rested so then I could train better. So it all kind of came together. But like I say, it was over the course of quite a few years. Um, and I just, like I say, I just wrote it all down and it was very, uh, very detail-oriented and, and meticulous about it. And then kind of developed a framework around that, which then I called the Thrive Diet, which was just something I made up for myself um, a while back, but then uh, found it worked well for other people too, and and that's sort of what, uh, what got me going. So just tell us a little bit about what the Thrive Diet is. I know the main thing is we're all wanting to be away from the animal foods and the junk foods, but what does a Thrive Diet look like? Well, there's a few kind of overarching principles. One is to 
to eat high net gain nutrition. So what I mean by that is choosing to eat foods that take the least amount of digestive energy but return the most amount of nutrients. So vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants. So for example, I made the mistake that I think a lot of people do is starting off with lots of refined carbs. I thought I need a lot of carbs to fuel my muscles and that's not necessarily wrong, but I was eating a lot of starchy refined ones like bread and pasta and white rice and and you spend a lot of energy digesting that, yet you get very few nutrients in. And I also thought that because a calorie was a measure of food energy, the more calorie they ate, the more energy I would have. But, of course, that's, you know, that's not the case. And if it were, people who ate big 3,000-calorie meals would have a lot of energy right after. And, of course, the opposite is true. They actually get really tired. So I knew, obviously, there's something else going on there. It's not just food energy that gives you energy. So... If you can take into that, like I say, takes less digestive energy, you have more energy because you haven't spent as much. So then I started swapping out a lot of those refined carbs for things like buckwheat, amaranth, quinoa, lentils, legumes, beans, and peas, things that are just, you know, more nutrient-dense yet take less digestive energy. So um, that's one principle, high net gain nutrition. Another is nourishing the adrenal, so making sure you eat a lot of uh, mineral-rich foods, so seaweed, uh, a lot of greens, anything with chlorophyll, that green pigment, is going to help nourish the adrenals. Maca, a root vegetable, is also very good for that. And that lowers cortisol, which allows you to sleep more deeply. Again, the deep delta phase of sleep, you wake up, you're fresh, you're rested. You don't crave coffee and sugar. You treat the cause of the problem, not the symptoms. So it's more of a long-term, holistic way to look at it, but it really is sustainable. Um, and then you get off those, you know, those stimulants. And stimulants do work. That's why a lot of people do drink coffee and sugary foods, but it's, it's short-term. You burn out your adrenals over time, and then you need more stimulation, and you get that vicious cycle, and then people don't sleep as well, and then they're always tired. So really kind of addressing that. Um, another element is reducing inflammation. So, again, a lot of mineral-rich foods, those leafy green foods, uh, lots of greens, which brings down inflammation, which speeds recovery. It reduces um, the inflammation, which also increases uh, functionality and range of motion, so you decrease the risk of injury, and you just become more efficient. You don't have to work as hard to move, so your heart rate will be lower even just walking around, which means, obviously, as an athlete, that translates into better performance. So those are kind of some of the the top few ideas that that went into making it. And it's so cool that you've taken that from your training at as an elite level athlete, but it all translates down to regular lay people who are, you know, maybe going to the gym three times a week. So exactly. it works. Yeah, it, it works. So you are a former pro Ironman, and I think the general conception of someone who is a former pro anything athletic is a guy who sits on a couch and gets a big belly and looks back at how things were. That is the exact opposite of you. So what's the transition like from being a professional athlete to being a professional many other things? Well, it was really uh, the whole Ironman thing was a, was a very good experience. I did it professionally for seven years, and I enjoyed it, but um, that's all I could do because I was just, riding around on my bike hours a day and running and swimming. And um, at the end of that, you know, you're pretty tired. And if you don't, um, you know, if you're not tired, you should train more. So you're always training or you're tired. So that grew old because there are all these other things I wanted to do. So it was actually a very easy transition because I just poured the kind of more is better attitude from my Ironman training days into uh, into just starting a business with Vega um, partnered with a friend. It's, we're now in year 11 with that, so it's, it's been a while, but um, really just kind of that gritty work ethic where you just you just get it done um, that spilled over from the Ironman days. Um, so really there's a lot of similarities, I think, in, in that, you know, trying to find efficiencies, trying to spend less energy for a greater return, um, lots of things that we can be translated over into business into some of the things I'm doing now, too, that just I think that Ironman training just prepared me well for. 
Well, I'm sure it did. Well, let's talk about Vega for a minute. Now, I know that your company has grown and you make all kinds of amazing food products, but I still think about Vega in that original form as, as the powder, the protein and nutrient powder in all those wonderful flavors. And to me, it just gives so much substance to a smoothie. It, it turns it from a drink into a meal and I love it. But sometimes when I say to people, and then I put in my Vega protein powder and they say, okay, that proves it. Vegans don't get enough protein. How do you answer that? Well, I think, you know, you, if you do eat a really good plant-based whole food diet, no, you don't have to add anything extra. Um, I look at Vega one not as a supplement, but as a food, and it is actually sold as a food now and not a supplement. Um, so the protein sources in it are pea protein, rice protein, hemp protein. So, yeah, absolutely, you don't need to add Vega. You could make it yourself the way I used to, adding different, you know, whole foods together and uh, mixing it all up. Um, and if you are athletic, I think it, it definitely does help with recovery, Um and also what a, pe- a lot of people don't know, too, is that pound-for-pound pound endurance athletes, runners and cyclists, actually need a little bit more protein than uh, bodybuilders for the reason that when we do long, easy bike rides, long runs, teach your body to burn fat efficiently, uh, which is going to improve endurance, we also burn a bit of protein, and then that cannibalizes muscle. So we actually do need to take in a little bit more protein pound-for-pound pound to offset that muscle burning as fuel. Uh, you'll often see a lot of good marathoners, good cyclists, really at a good healthy weight at the beginning of the season, and three months in, they, they look frail. Um, and that's often because they haven't had enough protein in relation to the amount of muscle they're burning on their long run. So being aware of that, I think, is important. And um, I, I think, too, there, there are a lot of junk food vegans out there now, um, which, you know, is good and bad. I think it's great that people have made the transition to a plant-based diet, but also with all these plant-based options, and some of them are really not that healthy, um, you know, I want to make sure that people are, if, if they're not feeling good, they realize it's not that a vegan diet is not good for them. It's just that a refined vegan diet is not good for them. So I think, you know, making sure they do get a, a lot of vegetables and um, things I mentioned before, lentils, legumes, beans, peas, buckwheat, amaranth, quinoa, and things like um, spirulina, chlorella, maca, all these other foods I think are great. And Vega is just an easy way to get that. You know, Vega has Mac and Chlorella and, and a lot of those other things in it, too. So it's just, you can, like I say, you can make it yourself the way I did for years. It's just kind of more convenient to get it. Yes. Um, as Vega. But I even give the recipes out in the book. Like, this is nothing, you know, there's no proprietary formula or anything like that. This is, you know, I want to have it open source so people can make it themselves. And it's actually a little more expensive if you make it yourself, I found, because you have to pay markup on all the ingredients as opposed to us getting it direct from the farmer, each ingredient, um, in a bigger volume, and then it works out to be cheaper. But I want to make sure people know that, you know, I certainly um, i am not saying people need Vega or need to buy a certain brand of anything um, to do it well and to do it healthy. It's just a convenience factor. Oh, Brendan, I just watched Miracle on 34th Street, which I do every year. <laughs> this time and you remind me of the Macy's Santa who sent people to gimbals when it just worked out better for them so no wonder you have so much success because you run your business in such an ethical way now I know you're doing something really cool with the great chef Matthew Kenny what's that about right yeah so Matthew um, has been a friend for a while now and I really admire his work and what he's done with uh, the culinary world and plant-based. So we've got together and we, um, we've put out a new course, a sports nutrition course. Uh, there's two. There's one that's sports nutrition and there's one that's called elite sports nutrition. So the idea is that I bring the functionality of the food from an athletic point of view and he brings the culinary expertise and then we make food that tastes really good. So, uh, yeah, those courses are now available as of the online, I think, for just over a month now, and, and it's great because there's an instructor to work each student through it, so it's very hands-on, and there's small groups, um, which I really like, um, and I, you know, I've, I've been asked to do courses with people before, and I've, I've never wanted to, because I felt that 
the value for the course for the, the student just wasn't there, but I really like the way this has been done and that, like I say, there is, a, you know, an instructor that, that guides each student through all of this. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good addition and just, well, you know, just more information. And, and where do we find, find out? out about it. Yeah, just, I believe just MatthewKennyCuisine.com or they can Google Matthew Kenny Cuisine and my name and, and I'm sure it will come up. We're getting okay. a landing page made soon, but it's, it's not ready yet. But the course okay. is already. Whoa, brand new. I, I love being able to scoop something. So that's terrific. And then thriveforward.com. That is Brendan's site where you can get more information about all the wonderful stuff that he does. So, Brendan, last 40 seconds. Inspire us all to be better. Well, I think we're, um, you know, for me, it's, it's just all about um, curiosity. I'm just a curious person. I, I think also with us being the fortunate ones who get to, to eat every day, um, you know, with that, I think we can, um, you know, if we choose to eat responsibly, it can, can positively benefit a lot of people. And I think uh, thinking socially when we make food choices is, uh, is just kind of a good, a good rule of thumb. Um, there are so many people involved and so many animals involved, and everyone um, has some involvement in the food system. So just choosing foods that are less, less damaging, I guess, so plants basically. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending this time with us. This has been Brendan Brazier. you got to get the Thrive Energy Cookbook, and then you too can run marathons and do amazing things. Check out thriveforward.com, and check out our other guests too. Matt Frazier is the no-meat athlete, and you can find him online that way. And we also spoke with the fascinating actor, Joel Brody. Check everybody out and be back with us next week when we talk about saving the planet and cowspiracy. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the Mind Body Spirit. FM podcast network.